I'm Pastor Jeremy. <laughs> uh, if you haven't noticed, uh, Pastor Ruben isn't here. He's our lead pastor. If you're visiting with us, uh, Pastor Ruben is out uh, in Texas, and he is uh, going to be this weekend preaching at a church, and then Monday he's doing a memorial service. So he's down in San Antonio, Texas for that with his family, and so he will be back next weekend. But so this week I get the opportunity, the honor to br- deliver the message. And so I'm really excited for this. The Lord has been working in my heart all week long. And I'll just be honest with you right up front. uh, This is a very personal message for me. Uh, God has done some really neat work over this week. So I'm encouraged and I'm excited uh, to, to just deliver what God has put on my heart for you. So let's pray for our message and then we'll jump in. Jesus, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for being here and meeting with us. And Lord, I pray that you just continue to fill this room with your spirit work in our hearts. God, we're talking about a kind of a tough subject today. And um, God, I pray that you would just uh, set me aside. I know you've worked in my heart this week, and I know that you can work in the hearts that are in this room. I know you can work in the hearts of those who are watching online. And I pray, Lord, that you would um, do your work. So set me aside. Uh, Put the words in my mouth that you want me to speak and uh, have your way in this place. Maybe you're here today and you need a word from God. Would you just say, God, would you give me a word? My heart is open to you. Have your way. God, we give this time to you as an act of worship. We praise you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Do you know that some people have a sense of pride such that they won't even ask for help. I mean, some people will not even, I mean, even after they recognize that they need help and someone offers help, they won't, they won't accept it. Some people have so much pride that they just keep doing it and doing it and they, they just go and they get themselves in trouble. Some people do this. I don't know if you've been aware of this, but some people do this. We, uh, we had a sports camp a few years ago uh, out at one of the parks over here, the Cherrywood Park uh, by Prairie Hills Elementary. We did a sports camp, and it was really cool. It was a great time for the kids to come together, get to know Jesus, and do all kinds of sports. And so we had a, kind of the whole thing set up out there. We had a generator so that we could run a sound system and have songs for the kids. And it was a really great time. And then at the end, we had to tear down and do all that kind of stuff. And there was this guy there who uh, picked up the generator. Like, he's like, I'm going to take the generator up to the car. And so someone asked him, like, hey, do you need help? He's like, no. And so he lifts that generator. He's like, you hear it. And he's, he's like carrying this thing, and you can kind of see he's a little shaky. And he starts going up, and, and, and to get to the car, there's this little incline, a little hill. And so I see this guy, and he's, he's climbing up that hill with this generator. And you know, you know when you carry something that's like really heavy, and like you're not really carrying it, your, your thighs are? You know, you're like, and you're, you're pushing it up with your thighs like this. That's what this guy's doing. He gets about halfway up, and someone goes, are you sure you don't want any help? I can help you with that. And he's like, no, I got it. I got it, and he gets up to the top, and it's summertime, so he's got shorts on, he gets up to the top, and he gets up to the, to the truck, and he puts it down, and he looks at his shorts, and I mean, it's just covered with gasoline. This, this generator had been, like, leaking as he's pushing it up the, the, the little hill, and there's just gasoline everywhere, right? I mean, and some people, some people, they just will not accept any help because of pride. Confession, I'm that some people. That was me. Gas all over my shorts, up at the top, heaving. 
And I got that stupid generator up there, and I realized I should have just taken people's help. But no, I had to, to prove to myself. I had to prove to everybody else. I didn't need any help. I was strong enough. I could do this. But all that pride led to gasoline-stained shorts. I don't have those shorts anymore. I don't get to have those shorts anymore because there's gasoline. Can you relate with this? You know, those some people, those some people that we can see, they clearly have a problem, but I, not me. I don't need help. Can you relate with that? Where, where pride has gotten in the way of you getting help or, or, or admitting that you're wrong or anything like that? Have you ever had pride just get in the way? And does it ever turn out well? Does pride ever really turn out well when it gets in the way? I, I don't know about for you, but for me, it doesn't. There's always some sort of destruction, always some sort of fall that happens. And, and that's what Proverbs tells us. In Proverbs 16, 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. We're in this series called Pearls. And we're looking at the book of Proverbs for these, these, these pearls of wisdom. And so the one we're looking at today says that pride goes before destruction. And that haughtiness goes before the fall. Today's message title is The Danger of Pride. The Danger of Pride. Pride can lead to all kinds of things. And if we look at the Bible, it says it leads to destruction. It leads to fall. Now note, not all pride is bad. You know, the title of today's message isn't that all pride is dangerous. We're just talking about the danger of pride that can happen. Because we need to think about it. Like, there is, there is good kinds of pride. There are things that we can be proud of, and that's okay. Like, it's not that all pride is bad or all pride is dangerous. So let's make sure we define pride so that we're on the same page of where we're going. First, there is good pride. And uh, Webster defines this as reasonable self-esteem, confidence, and satisfaction in oneself, self-respect. Uh, they, they go on to say pleasure that comes from some relationship, association, achievement, or possession that is seen as a source of honor, respect, etc. So there's good pride. We can, we can be proud. I'm proud of my family. My wife is amazing. She's super strong. She's supported uh, me through our marriage and through, through being a pastor for so many years. She's gone through so many health issues and our family issues. And I mean, she's a strong woman and I mean, I'm proud of her. That's not a bad pride. My, my kids, my daughter, she has this huge heart to love on people and to take care of them. And, and she's, she's given money to friends who needed food and people that she's met online that she started building a relationship with. And, and guess what? She got scammed. But even still, she has a heart to give to people. She still has a heart to say, you know what? Not everybody's like that. I want to take care of them. My son, oh man, I love his perseverance. We love to fish. And he'd gone through this season just before we went on vacation this, this year, and he hadn't caught any fish, and he's getting really down, and then we go to Steamboat, and he catches his, ber his personal best trout, and is like, yes, and I saw him persevere. I saw him push through, even times when he wanted to quit. And so I'm proud of him for that. I'm proud of myself. I, I've, I've, I've accomplished some good things. Like I, I worked two jobs, had a family, and went to school, and, and pursued the calling that God had on my life. Now, I'm not great. It doesn't make me better than anyone, but I'm proud of doing that work. I'm proud of persevering. I'm proud of, of all the hard work I put in. I'm proud of the sacrifice and how God has provided all that time. Those are good things to be proud of. We can be proud of our family, proud of our jobs, proud of our work. Those are okay. Those are good pride. Now we have dangerous pride. Webster says it's exaggerated self-esteem. It's conceit. 
It's not asking for help out of fear of being seen as weak or incapable. It's believing that that my challenges, my struggles were more difficult than everyone else's. It's always a one-upping kind of uh, pride that says, you know what, I, I hear you, you, broke your, you broke your bone, but I broke two bones. Did you know that? You know, or, or you, you lost your job, well, you know what, I started a business and it completely collapsed and I lost everything. Like the, this pride that's dangerous puts ourselves above other people. It's blinding uh, ourselves to, to even our kids' growth. We could be very proud about our kids, but it can go too far. It could be to the point of like, no, my kid's perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. They don't have any issues. They don't do anything wrong. My kids are the best. And then like, like mama bear or papa bear comes out if anyone says anything. We could be overly pr- proud of our kids. We can think that they don't do anything. They could, the pride can blind us. Maybe, maybe you're the top salesperson on your team. And so you, you think, you know what? If I weren't here, this company would fail. We can have that kind of pride. That it's all about me. I'm the one holding this ship together. I'm the one making this thing happen. And then you go on vacation, and everything works out just fine, and you come back, and the company isn't gone, and you, know, you realize, like, no, you're not. But the bad pride says, like, I'm the top person. I'm the one who holds this all together. We have that dangerous pride. And we have to ask ourselves, right? Because when we look at pride and we look at confidence and we look at self-esteem, those are all good things for us to have. God wants us to be secure in who we are, who he created us to be. He gave us gifts. He gave us talents. And when we walk in those and we, and we fulfill those, there's, there's assurance and there's self-esteem and there's confidence that can be there. And that's good. But so when does that confidence jump over the edge to arrogance, When you lose perspective of your abilities, that's when it is. When you lose that perspective of really what you can do. You see, confidence recognizes that one's abilities are significant and that they help. When you're confident, you go, you know what? I'm part of the team. God has gifted me this way. I'm really good at making sure that this part gets done. And as a team, as a whole, we're better because of it. Like, I'm significant. What I'm doing is helpful, but it's not, I'm I'm not the only one. But it turns into arrogance when we see our abilities as superior to anyone and everyone else. When not just that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a helpful part of the team, but if, this, if I weren't here in this team, this team wouldn't work. That's when confidence becomes arrogance. When we go, you know what, I'm the only one holding this thing together. If it weren't for me, everything would fall apart. That's our pride. That's when we have to watch for things creeping over the line and going from confident to conceit. From going from from proud for the work that I do to to proud about who I am. And I'm the only one that can make this happen. There's one last definition of pride. This is the extremely dangerous pride. This is a group of lions living together. So that one's pretty self-explanatory. So we don't have to really talk about that one too much. I think you get that one. You know, it's interesting. uh, In case you didn't pick up, my name is Jeremy Lyon. And Pastor Ruben asked me to give the pride message. That's a bad joke. That's a, that's a dad joke. That is, that is a dad joke. There we go. All right, let's go back to dangerous pride. All right, the danger with dangerous, unchecked pride is that it will lead to ruin. Lead to ruined shorts, 
lead to ruined families, lead to ruined jobs, lead to ruined resources and finances. Like our pride will get in the way and lead us to destruction. I like how uh, the message gives us that, that proverb sixteen eighteen. It says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. See, here's the real danger with pride is that it starts small. It starts small. And so the destruction or the fall that comes is small as well. It's mild. And we can, we can become accustomed to it. We can say, ah, oh, that really wasn't too bad. Like, I'll just get another pair of shorts. It's okay. But then as we continue to do it, we gain more and more pride. We see ourselves higher and higher than anyone else. And then that destruction becomes worse and worse and worse. And you grow accustomed to that fall. You grow accustomed to the things that come from pride. And you're actually okay with it. You're okay with the ruin and the destruction. You're okay with losing the relationship. You're okay with rebuilding a new marriage. Because she just didn't understand me. Or he didn't get it. You're okay with getting fired. Because you know what? It's their loss anyways. They didn't know what they had. Or you're okay with being left out of the family get-togethers. Because you know what? I really don't like them anyways. I'm tired of having that conversation. I'm tired of uncle so-and-so telling me how to live my life. I'm tired of aunt whoever who, 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 who comes into my life and tells me I'm doing the things wrong. Like, I don't really need them. And that's what happens the more we live in that pride, the more that we experience the, the shifts of, of going to destruction, going to fall. We say, you know, it's okay. Because that pride then becomes bigger and stronger. Proverbs 11.2 says this, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Pride says, I can live with this disgrace. I really don't care what they think anyway. Like you just learn to accept it. It's okay. I'll be disgraced. I don't care about them. It's all about me. Proverbs 29.23 says, pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. See, pride says that the humiliation will reside. I'm not going to hang around with them anyways, so I won't be reminded of how humiliated I was. Pride learns to live with these things. Pride is okay with it. Proverbs 18.12 says, haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. Pride says, I can rebuild. Pride says, you know what? I was at the center of that anyways. I built that company. I can build another. I was the one who was putting in the effort in the marriage. I can have another. You know, that kid, they just didn't get me. They didn't understand how I was trying to make them better. I'll just have another kid. It's okay. Pride learns to live with the disgrace and the humiliation and the destruction. And it becomes okay. And the real issue is that it's, it, it fights with our relationships with others. It breaks them down. Most of the time, our pride will lead to people not wanting to be with us. Our pride can lead to breaking relationships or losing relationships that could have been. Have you ever been around that person? You, in, you know, someone introduces you and you meet them and you recognize like they're really prideful. I don't want to hang out with them at all. I don't want to hear how great they are. I don't want to hear who they know. Like I'm not impressed. But we have that, we have that capability. And when our pride is, is, is living in us, our pride is number one, and we, we succumb to that pride, and we put ourselves above others, then that's how people will see us. They don't want to be a part of us. And our relationships 
can be the destruction. See, pride expects everyone to see you at the level you think you're at, even if you're not at that level. In fact, you get mad. If you're like, you know, I'm this kind of person, and I'm this kind of person, and someone disagrees with you, then, then no. What are you talking about? Yes, I love people. Yes, I'm compassionate. Well, are you giving? No. But I don't need to do that. God knows my heart. That's like a, that, right there, that's a key pride statement right there. God knows my heart. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Pride is, pride is putting up, quote unquote, putting up with others' weaknesses. You know, they're just, they're just not that good. It's okay. I'll do it for them. Pride sees other people as, as beneath you. Pride is being matured beyond the need for accountability. I don't need anyone to tell me how I'm doing. I don't need feedback at work. I don't need feedback in my marriage. I don't need feedback with my relationships with my kids. I don't need feedback with how I'm talking to people at church. I don't need feedback like that. I'm, I'm all right. That's what pride, do, pride does. It, it pushes you into that place where you think, I don't need people to speak into my life. Pride will lead you to lie about something instead of saying, I don't know. Isn't that crazy? We can be so fearful, so concerned about what someone would think about us or, or looking like we, don't, we, we just don't know something, and so we lie to make up an answer instead of saying, I don't know. And you do that enough times, and you're going to destroy relationships. You do that enough times, and people are not going to believe you when you talk. You do that enough times, and people aren't going to ask you anything. Pride leads to resentment of others and their success. Pride can't deal with other people being successful. It just can't. Even if they're not even, it's like you're not even competing. They're maybe in a completely different industry, or they've got a completely different job, and they get a, they get a promotion, and you're like, you're mad because they got something that you didn't get. Pride says, it should be about me. I should get something like that. It reminds you, like, I, I need a promotion. I need a raise. I need those things. It's all about us. That's what pride does. It, pride keeps us from admitting our mistakes. We just ignore it. Have you, ever, have you ever been in that place? Have you ever done that? Where you've done something wrong, and you know it, and the other person knows it, and we're just not going to talk about it. In fact, if they bring it up, no, I don't remember it quite like that. I don't think that's what happened. Pride will lead us to the, to the place where we just don't even admit our mistakes. We're, we're so concerned with our image and, and who we are. Pride asks, how will this affect me? Every little thing, any, any change in schedule, any change in life, it's like, well, how will, you know how that affects my schedule? You know how that affects me? You know, how, you know what that does? That's, that's pride right there. When pride is so concerned with, with what does it mean to me? Oh, you got a flat tire? Oh, well, now I'm going to be late because you were my ride. That's our pride. That's our pride. Pride is addictive. You know, pride feels pretty good. When we elevate ourselves, when we make it about ourselves, even when it's not about ourselves, it feels pretty good. And the more you do it, the more you get used to the fall, the more you get used to the destruction, the more you get used to, to how it feels, and you go, you know what, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the disgrace because I feel really good every time I puff myself up. That's what pride does. If, you, if you're concerned about, hey, do I have this pride? Well, one, yes, we all have pride. But two, listen for some warning signs, things that you may say, like, how dare you? Do you know who I am? I deserve dot, dot, dot. 
I guess I'll just have to do it. Nobody else is capable. I'll just take care of this. Pride. All lifting ourselves up and not looking to the other person, not caring about it. I want to be real vulnerable with you today. This message, honestly, uh, is for me. And you guys just get to ride along. That's what the Lord has been doing this week. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've been wrestling with this and thinking about this. And I mean, like there's no end of examples that I can give you from my life about pride. <laughs> and it's, it's been a little bit depressing at first this week of going like, man, 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 I have to tell him that because that's what I did. I have to tell him that because that's what I did. And it's really like, as I was, as I was in my twenties, really excelling in my IT career. And I was like, I was just like this sponge. I was just getting all of this stuff. And I had this friend and this mentor who, who really, I mean, I was, this was before I was following Christ. And, and I, he really, he really poured into me of this, this prideful attitude of that. Like, this is how, this is how business is done. This is how you get ahead. This is how you make a name for yourself is you, you build yourself up and you puff yourself up. And, and I was like, I, I mean, I was learning all of this new technology and I loved it and I was great. And I was working with all these old people in their forties and they didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I know all those people. There. <laughs> now I'm that guy. No. Uh, but that was, you know, and, and that was the thing is, is they knew technology from, from all the years that they had been in it. But I would just dismiss it. I'm like, that's all old stuff. Nobody cares about that. But it's the old stuff that gets you to the new stuff. It's the old, old examples, the, the, the problems that you ran into, the, the solutions you had to come up with that gets you to the new whiz-bang things that I was learning. I was like, you guys don't know anything. And they would just smile at me. They were so kind. So kind with this 20-year-old in a corporate IT environment, didn't know what I was really doing, but I was just so, and, and so I, this just resonates with me. I don't know about for you, but this whole message just really resonates with me. I used to be the type of person that would, would, would look down upon you because you didn't know how to use your phone. Not like, oh, come on, you should know, like, like what are you, an idiot? That was, that was my mentality. Like, all you got to do is Google it. That's all I did. Why can't you do that? I had this pride, like, living in me that was just so, so powerful and so strong. And the temptation to, to put me first was there every single day. And at first, I didn't even really recognize it. Like, that was just normal. Like, just me first. Just me first all the time. And then I met Jesus. This is the good part. I, I, I feel like, like, I, like I know I've been talking down and like, like here's all this pride and whoa, woe is me. But this is what God did to me. He, he, he saved me from that pride. He said, you know what? You don't have to still be like that. You don't have to keep saying me first. In fact, God transformed my life. I put my faith in Jesus, and every day he showed me how to be compassionate, how to be humble, how to be nice to people, how to care for people, how to not put myself first. We always have to fight this temptation. And so we have to look at it in like a tangible way, like what can we do to fight the temptation of pride? Because it's always there. It doesn't matter whether you start walking with Jesus today or you've been walking with Jesus for 50 plus years. The desire to be prideful will always be there. And so we have to look for active ways to fight it. We have to cultivate a life of humility towards others. 
Jesus gives us a great example in John 13. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon, Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That it was, and that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on the, his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is their messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. This is so rich, guys. So much in here. First, you have to like really understand the context because it's weird for us. We don't wash each other's feet. This is not something we do in the house. I, I imagine most of us, I'll speak for myself. We don't wash our feet before we eat dinner, but they did. And the reason is, is because they didn't sit at tables like we do. We, they didn't sit up on a chair and the table's elevated, but oftentimes what they would be doing is they would be like lounging around a table. And so they'd be kind of laying on each other, or maybe they'd sit crisscross applesauce, right? And, and, and they're wearing sandals every single day. They don't have cool Nikes or anything like that. They've got sandals and they're walking on dirt roads that are covered with dung from animals and all kinds of things. And so their feet are usually really dirty when they come into the house. Now, traditionally, there would be a house servant that when you came in, that was their job. They were the servant. They would wash your feet and then you could kind of go into the house and you would go to the table and you would lounge there and you would, you would start eating and, and, and having your dinner conversation and all that kind of stuff. But there was no house servant. We don't know why, but there wasn't. And it's interesting that none of the disciples who are sitting with their rabbi, sitting with their teacher, sitting with the Son of God, who they have proclaimed to be the Messiah, none of them got up to wash anyone's feet. So Jesus humbles himself. The God of all creation in flesh, the one who deserves and is worthy of being served hand and foot, gets up and becomes the servant the house servant. And he goes and, and he bows down and, and he, he gets down to their, their dirty feet. 
dust-encrusted feet walking around all day, and he washes them like a servant, like the lowly servant of the house. And he gets down there, and he even, did you, did you recognize, he even washed Judas's feet, the guy who was about to betray him, the, by, the guy who was, who was going to hand him over to the authorities so that he could be crucified. Jesus washed his feet too. And Jesus gives us this wonderful example of being humble, of what it looks like to humble yourself. If you want to be humble, then wash people's feet. Serve each other. If you want to be humble, if you want to, if you want to push that pride out of you, if you want to get rid of it, if you don't want to be that person anymore who says, you know what, I'm better than everybody else, or I can't believe you're an idiot for doing that, or any of that kind of stuff, if you don't want to be that person anymore, then get down and start washing some feet. Put yourself lower. Think of someone else before yourself. Wash people's feet. I remember... There is a, a, a very significant time that I was humbled by the Lord. It was uh, back when we, we were doing uh, our Feed 5,000 before we called it Feed 5,000. And we were loving on a school and we were, we, we were doing a carnival. And this was like my first time ever doing anything like this. I mean, pretty much new Christian, you know, just, just giving my life back to Jesus and been baptized. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go serve. And so they say, Jeremy, you go watch the bounce house. And I'm going to watch the bounce house at this carnival with all these crazy kids. And I'm like, I have a baby, like our, our, our firstborn Emma, she's, I don't know, she's, she's infant or, or maybe one to two type thing. I don't know how to deal with elementary kids. So I'm watching this bounce house and I'm, I'm, I'm teetering back and forth from like dad who doesn't care, like, yeah, don't get hurt, you know, to like, you guys need to watch out because you're going to bang your heads in there and get out of there. And I need to let this kid in. And, and I, I just really know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm having fun. And these kids are having fun. And this mom comes up and she, says, she yells at her, her daughter. I see her in there and she says, come on out. We're going, we're leaving. And so the girl gets out and I don't know how old she was. She was maybe fifth grade or not fifth grade, uh, kindergarten, five years old, young. And she starts grabbing her shoes and I see her trying to kind of like, she's struggling kind of putting her shoes on. So I said, you want me to help you? And she said, sure. And so I got down and I put her shoe on and I went to tie it. But I really, I couldn't, I really couldn't tie it because her shoelaces um, were just ratty and ripped and broken and like she didn't have, she didn't have shoelaces really. And I'm like struggling, like, and this is like, I mean, I don't know what to do. And what's beautiful about this is that God humbled me in that moment in a really wonderful way. Like humbling is like a discipline from the Lord. It's, it, it's, it's a correction, but it's a good thing. God does, he corrects us for our good. And as I'm looking at this little girl's shoe, I'm recognizing how many things I just have. And I'm humbled. I don't worry about shoelaces. And I'm thinking there and, you know, I, I'm looking at my life and I'm like, my, my daughter probably won't worry about shoelaces. And, and I'm just, I, I really locked up and it was a little embarrassing. 
because the mom's kind of like sitting there waiting for me to finish it. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to like tie this thing and it won't make a, and finally she just kind of comes over and makes this knot and, and they, they go and they have no clue about what the Lord's doing in my heart. But the Lord humbled me in that moment and just showed me that, that there's a different side to life. That, that I take a lot of things for granted. And so since then, I've, I've really learned to embrace the humbling. Because I know that that's when God is working in me. If you don't feel humbled, then your heart is probably too hard for God to work in right now. If you're constantly like, you know what? I don't need to hear that. If you're in a place where you're like, I, I've got this and you don't feel humbled, then, then God's probably not working in you. But I'll tell you, the life of transformation, the life of Jesus living inside of you and working is a life of humbling. And it doesn't always feel good at first. It can, it can sting a bit, but it's a good life. I've learned to embrace being humbled. I love it. with <laughs> Our staff. I've, you know, it, <laughs> I have probably gone to every single one of our staff members and there's a few that are newer, so I don't think I've gone to them yet, but I will. Um, and I've had to apologize for my pride. I've had to ask for forgiveness. I've had to say I was wrong. I got worked up. I just wanted to be right. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And because I've done that, and I've had that situation with all of them, we have a lot of fun when I make mistakes. Uh, they like to say, hey, guess what? Put it on the calendar. Jeremy made a mistake today. The, the, the date's wrong and the email. Did you see that? Like, best weekend ever. It's not the 22nd. It's 23rd and 24th. You, and we have a lot of fun, and I enjoy it. I mean, like, it stings a little bit. But I know they say it in fun and in love, and it's good because God is humbling me. I embrace it. I go, you know what, God? You're right. I don't, I'm not perfect, and I make mistakes, and I've learned to do that. Humbling yourself before people. Washing people's feet. If you want to be humble, then serve. Go and help them out. Put yourself below them. Accept praise and glorify God. That's how you humble yourself before others. Don't let it go to your head. Uh, be grateful. Give thanks to all you have. Ask for forgiveness. We, I think we have such a culture that idea of like, we'll just not talk about it anymore. But that's so horrible. Ask for forgiveness. When you make a mistake and you mess up, and you were prideful, and you thought, I'm, I, kid, I can't be wrong. You're wrong. And then you Google it, and you're like, I was wrong. Then ask for forgiveness. That's how you humble yourself before people. That's how you restore those relationships. Serve others in need. Be willing to get down and do the dirty jobs. Don't let anything be beneath you or too low for you. Now, I'm not talking about self-deprecation and self-hate. I want you to make sure you're aware of that. Like, I'm not saying, hate yourself. You're not worthy. You have no value. That's not what I'm saying. That is, this is the complete opposite. You have value. God loves you. God went to the cross for you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to live a life for you and to become a sacrifice so that you don't have to be separated from him. You have value. But what I am talking about is, is, is humbling ourselves. I love how C.S. Lewis says it. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Don't think less of yourself, but put others first. Washing feet is, is not a saying that, 
that you're nothing and you're worthless. It's, it's coming alongside and loving someone. It's putting yourself in a place of, of, of servanthood. That's why I love why we're doing Hope Week. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're all humbling ourselves that entire week. We're just going, you know what? I have schedules. I have things to do. I get off work at certain times. But you know what? I'm going to make a sacrifice. I'm going to go wash some feet. And we do it in a way that's dignifying. We work with organizations. I'm so thankful for Kaylee, our outreach director, who, like, I mean, she searches for the right organizations that, that, that like, match our values, that recognize that Christ is Lord and that God is the one over everything. And, and then we go and we serve people in a way that's dignifying to them. And we love on them and, and we care for them. And, and in that, God humbles us. In that, we have those moments where you, where you, have, the, you have the shoelaces. You get to have that moment. I mean, it's possible. If you, have a, if, you th- <laughs> if you haven't thought about serving at Hope Week, there's possibility that God has a shoelace moment for you lined up. And in that humbling moment, you will draw closer to God, closer than you have been before. Don't, don't miss that. Don't miss that. As we humble ourselves, we point to the goodness and the grace of God. We show people Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and save the lost. A humble heart is the heart that draws near to God. If you want to be close to God, then humble yourself. Isaiah 57, 15 says it like this, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. God wants to live with the humble. That's where he wants to be. He doesn't want to be around you when you're prideful. Nobody wants to be around you when you're prideful. You probably don't even want to be around yourself when you're prideful. If we're all honest with ourselves. Isaiah 62, has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. God is the creator of everything. He says, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. God is our creator. He's God. We're the created. We're not God. God desires to live with us when we're humble. Pride will lead to the fall. Pride will lead to destruction. Pride was the fall of Lucifer. Isaiah 14 says it like this. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Pride is the root of all sin. It says, it's all about me. It says, why can't I be God? Why can't I make the decisions? Why can't I say what's fair? Why can't I dot, dot, dot? Satan was blinded by his pride. He believed his own lie that he could be like God, that it wasn't fair that God was God and that he wasn't. See, we can fool ourselves into thinking that we don't have pride. We can fool ourselves. We can justify our pride. That's a really (laughs) amazing thing that we can do. We can, we can talk to the customer service rep on the phone and get real angry and argue because you know what? I'm just thinking about all the rest of the, like good customer service is what it should be. And I'm just speaking for everybody. There's no one else behind you. You just 
feel like you want to be bigger. Pride can do that to us. Pride inflates your sense of self-worth and distorts your perspective of reality. You don't really see the world as it is when you're full of pride. Pride is easy to see in others, but it's difficult to see in ourselves. Jesus talked about, you know, we, we see and, are, and, and, and judge the person with a speck in their eye, but we don't even see the plank, the big old log that's in our eye. That's pride. Oftentimes we can be blind to it. We can see all kinds of people and go, that's prideful, and I can't believe they said that, and why would they say that? But we walk around and do the exact same thing. But we're justified. Well, you don't understand. Well, I deserve that. Well... I was in a position where I needed to speak up. Sometimes we can look at pride as a virtue. I was just saying what everybody else was thinking. Pride is like not having a filter. We can see it as being a virtue. Pride says, I can save myself. Pride says, you know what? I've kind of outgrown church. I don't really need it. I don't need people speaking into my life. I don't need to meet with other people. I don't need to have fellowship. I can just, you know what? I can be by myself. I can just do it all on my own. I can save myself. I'm a pretty good person. That's pride. Pride says, I don't, I don't need anyone else. What happens if pride is not corrected? What is your destruction? Well, God will humble you first and foremost. And he may do it in a really huge and extreme way. Like people that we see in the Old Testament. Nebuchadnezzar, if you look in Daniel chapter 4, king of Babylon, and he's, he's prideful, he has this dream, and Daniel interprets the dream and says, God's going God's gonna to take everything away from you. In fact, he's going to make you crazy, and you're going to go live out with animals and eat grass like cows. So go and repent. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, whatever. And then 12 months later, he's on top of his palace and he's prideful. He says, look at all this stuff that I did. Look at all of these things that I worked really hard for. And sure enough, God strikes him and he's out of his mind. And he lives for seven years out in a field like crazy. Everybody's like, there's crazy Nebuchadnezzar eating grass with the cows. Like he, God may humble you in an extreme way like Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel and he was prideful and he did things that were disobedient to what God asked him to do. And so God stripped the kingdom away from him, took the kingdom away from him, said, you will no longer be king. Your line will not be the king. And he gave it to David. Your relationships will be lost or not strong. If you don't correct your pride, your relationships will be strained. Parents can push away children. Siblings can push each other away. Coworkers will dread working with you. I don't want to be on his team. Or maybe they will. Because you know what? That guy thinks so much of himself, he'll do all the work. And I'll just sit back. Maybe you can find that prideful person. But if we don't check our pride, if it isn't corrected, you will hurt people. Not just like you hurt their feelings, but you're going to hurt people. You're going to tear them down. You're going to devalue their self-worth. In your pride, you can destroy them. The danger of pride, the true danger of pride, is not just that it breaks our relationship with others. It breaks our relationship with God. In our pride, 
we can elevate ourselves to a place where we see ourselves as equal with God and we can judge others. We can start becoming self-righteous. We can start seeing ourselves as the one who really does make all the decisions and, and tells you what color the sky is. And, and, and I'm really the one who defines what truth is. And I'm really the one who decides what's right and what's wrong for me. Jesus tells a story of pride and humility in Luke. Starts in verse 9. It says, Then Jesus told this story to someone who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Pretty prideful. The Pharisees were known for being zealous about following God's commands. And that's not a bad thing in and of itself, but, but this man has now, this Pharisee has elevated himself to say, like, I'm, like his, his, his gratitude was, thank you, God, I'm not like them. Thank you, God, I'm not like everybody else. Me and you, we're, we're special. Like he's elevated himself to the place of God. He says, I can judge the sinners and the tax collectors and the deadbeats. And like, God, thank you that I'm not like them. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This tax collector was seen as the lowest of low. He was, he was a Jew who was giving his allegiance to Rome by collecting taxes for them. And all he could do, he wasn't comparing himself to anybody but to God. And he went and he couldn't even lift his eyes. He, he stood away as far as he could from, from like the tabernacle and he, he's looking down and he beats his chest and he says, forgive me, God, because I'm a sinner. He humbles himself before the, the creator, the, the God of all creation, before the one who tells us what is right and what is wrong, the one who makes the rules, the one who is Lord over everything, the one who is sovereign, the one who gives life, the one who gives breath in our lungs. He looks at him and he says, I'm a sinner, God. Don't even look at me. He humbles himself and he draws near to God. Jesus said, he's the one who went home justified before God. See, here's the reality. You don't appreciate the grace of God until you're the one that needs it. You don't appreciate the grace of God until you're the one who needs it. When you're the one sitting there going, woe is me. When you're full of pride, you're blind to it. You're blind to the fact that you need any grace. It separates us from God. Our, 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 our pride can, can hold us back. And keep us separated from experiencing the life that God has for us, the, the love, the grace. But when we humble ourselves before God, he draws near to us. Here's the really cool thing I liked about this. 
Did you notice their postures? Hear this, if you wanna, if you wanna be humble, get on your face. Because they had a posture before God. The Pharisee came up and, and like stood. I, I'm, I can only imagine that, that he was like at, almost at the front door of the tabernacle. Like, you know, like, knock, knock, God, I'm here. Thank you, I'm not like everybody else. But the tax collector is bowed down. He takes a physical posture. I, I find this so interesting. As I have walked with the Lord, I have recognized that my physical posture when I come to the Lord makes a great deal of difference. Because I can, I can pray to God anyway. I can pray to him like this. I can pray, Lord, take care of me. Watch over me. I'm sorry. And my posture is, is that of like me talking to somebody else, eye to eye. And it's almost as if I'm saying, God, I'm equal with you. I'm right there with you. So you just, hey, bro, can you help me out? Can you be with me? But when I do this and I get on my face and I'm down here, I don't do this to anybody. I don't humble myself and get on my face for anyone, but I do it for God. And when I'm down here in this position, my heart learns to match my body. My heart learns to be humble. My heart learns to seek God first. My heart learns to be close to God. In this position, I'm nothing. In this position, I recognize who the king is, and I bow before Jesus. We can, we can do that in our lives. Like, I, this is something I've, I've recently done. I've, I've always prayed in the morning, and, and, and I mean, I say always, uh, as I turn my life over to Christ, this is something I've developed. Uh, it's become a, a very strong habit, but, but something more recently that I have done is to get down in that position. Like first thing, almost first thing, I'll be honest with you. I get up, I let the dog out, I feed the dog, and then I go up and I get on my face right next to my bed and I pray to God. And I just start my day in that position because I recognize who God is. There's great power in putting ourselves in a physical way of expressing our gratitude to God. There's nothing better. And that's why we do all kinds of physical things. When we're worshiping, we raise our hands because it's an act of surrender. Ask a police officer. When you raise your hand, I give up. And so when we're worshiping and we raise our hands and we look up to God, we say, God, I, I give it all to you. Sometimes we jump and we get crazy. Well, some of us do. Well, me and Avery do once in a while in the back. Like, seriously, like when we're singing grave clothes, guys, that's this right here, right? Because God has saved us. He's pulled us out of the grave because we have new life in him. And so I'm going to change my body to, to reflect how I want my heart to cry out to God because he's so good and he saved me and, 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 and he went to the end. I mean, he, he was beaten to like a bloody pulp for me and for you. And how am I supposed to just like be like, okay, I have new life in Jesus. I can't do that. I can't do that. And so the same way, if I want to be humble, then I get down here. 
And I tell my body, I tell my heart, get down here and be humble. Don't think of yourself better than anyone else. Serve others. Put God first. Changing our body to influence our heart. That's what we do. I want to encourage you. We're, this is the end of the message, but I want to do something kind of special. I want to encourage you. I'm going to ask you to do something while I pray for us at the end of this message. And um, I want you to bow down. I want us to all, if you're physically able, online, you're watching from the couch, you're watching from work, wherever you're at, this is an opportunity you can bow down as well. But I want to encourage us, if you're physically able, to get off your seat and get face down before our Lord and humble yourself. And we're all going to do it together. And I just want to warn you that, that when I first said that and that first thought, you're like, I don't need to do that. That's pride. God knows my heart. That's pride. God does know your heart. God wants to see your heart in action. Or maybe your first thought was, well, I better do this so that everybody knows that I'm following Jesus. Better get in line. That's pride too. That's doing something out of fear that people are going to see the real you. It's okay. If you're not at that place to humble yourself, then don't do it. God knows your heart. But if you want to do this, if you want to say, you know what, God, I'm tired of being number one because you're number one, then let's do this. Let's bow down. And guys, as we do this, I encourage you just... We're going to go into the next worship song after I pray. And if you want to stay in this position during that worship song, you go ahead. Or maybe you need to change your position and stand up and praise and surrender, whatever it is. Father, we come before you right now. And we bow down. We humble ourselves. We worship you. We confess, God. We're not, as, we're not as strong as we think we are. We're not as smart as we think we are. We're not as capable as we think we are. We need you. We need you to move in our lives. We need you to, to, to lift us up. We need you to strengthen us, God. God, that you would even consider us. Just like David said in the Psalms. When I consider all the heavens and everything that you've made, God, what, is, what, what are humans that you would consider us? But you hear our voices and you answer our prayers and you transform us and you love us and you humble us. And God, we love you. We love you. Would you shape our hearts into the shape of our bodies? Bowed down before you submitted to you claiming that you are king and that you are Lord maybe you're here today and you've never you've never given your life to Jesus you recognize you need Jesus in your life and you want to just you say this just say Jesus I'm a sinner and I need you forgive me of my sins I ask you to, to be the Lord of my life I choose to follow you with everything Transform me and make me new. Remove this pride from me. 
God, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for moving in this service. God, I lift up our givers, those who are honoring you with their their finances. God, would you bless them? Would you continue to provide for them just like you always do? You are the, the one who provides. And we put our trust in you and our faith in you. God, I thank you for your love. And I thank you for your grace that you've poured out through Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.